0: Over the course of the summer, we've had our sermon series, The Stories That Shaped Us. And you've heard from a variety of preachers, stories about living an abundant life, stories about God's grace, and stories about dreams. We've heard stories from our pastoral residents and even our very own Glenn Miller. We were introduced to an ethical will, heard stories about praying for rest, stories about God's foolishness, and yes, even a story about sparkle pants. Our hope was that you'd hear a variety of stories and see how they've shaped each and every one of us to become followers of Christ. Stories that have changed us to never be the same again. And we hope that in sharing our stories, you might be touched or shaped by them as well. And this week, I get the pleasure of wrapping up our sermon series with my story on this Labor Day weekend. No pressure. (laughs) Hope I don't disappoint. Let us pray. Dear God, if these words I speak are not your words for your people on this day, may it be forgotten and come to naught. But, O oh God, if these are your words, may it be remembered and stored in the core of our very being. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You would think. It was just an ordinary day. The sky was blue. The sun was out. People were going about their business. But this day was far from being ordinary. It was a day that would change their lives forever. Expect the unexpected. Hmm, the doctor said intently. Not knowing what to expect, this couple started to get nervous. It was hard to focus, hard to comprehend anything being said. Their hearts racing, hands shaking. What could possibly go wrong? Did you see that? There's one, and there's two. Two what? Two lungs, two hands, two feet? Congratulations, you're gonna have twins. Twins! Now this is a topic I should know a little about. As a millennial, I grew up with the likes of Mary-Kate and Ashley, Patty and Selma from The Simpsons, Tia and Tamara from Sister Sister on the Disney Channel. I watched Luke and Leia Skywalker, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, the Weasley brothers on the big screen. And as an Eagles fan, was all too familiar with Rondé Barber of the New York Giants and his twin, Tiki, on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fly, Eagles, fly. (laughs) Nowadays, we're watching Brooke and Robin Lopez, both of whom play for the Milwaukee Bucks. Bree and Nikki Bella on the show Total Divas, and Marcus and Markeith Morris, who play for the New York Knicks in our very own Detroit Pistons. Twins are something I know a little about. I grew up with many friends who were twins. Franklin and Edward, Lena and Jay, Michi and Mitsu, Jackie and Jacqueline. We even have not one, not even two, but three sets of twins in our youth group. But the main reason why I should know a little something about twins is because I am one. Expect the unexpected. When my parents found out they were having twins, there was definitely a mix of emotions. Happy to find out one wouldn't grow, old, uh, one wouldn't grow up alone without the other. That they would be best friends and have a special bond for the rest of their lives. And who doesn't love a great deal, two for one? Unfortunately, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you. There was much more anxiety than jubilation, concern than peace, fear than joy. My parents were scared. Doubts and uncertainty crept into their minds. They didn't have any experience taking care of twins. Not many do, and as immigrants from South Korea, they didn't have the full support or resources to take care of twins, let alone one child. Neither of them had a college degree, both unable to speak fluent English, and both grew up exceedingly poor, coming from humble beginnings. Let's just say, life wasn't easy for us growing up. Expect the unexpected. Before my parents were Christians, my brother and I grew up as victims of abuse. My dad would come home at 2 a.m., drunk and intoxicated, taking out his frustrations on us. We also grew up poor. My parents lived paycheck to paycheck, struggling to make ends meet in Hawaii with its high cost of living. An allowance? There was no such thing as allowance. We were so poor, my parents couldn't even afford to buy us a Happy Meal from McDonald's. So my mom would always tell us, you need to become a doctor or or a lawyer so you can make lots of money. The pressure of growing up as children of immigrants. But life wasn't all that bad. My brother and I grew up happy. We would pretend to be wrestlers and practice finishing moves on each other. He liked Goldberg, and I was Shawn Michaels. I got speared while he ate some sweet and music. We would get our blankets late at night, build forts, and pretend to be Chinese lion dancers always fighting to be the rear, because whoever was ahead would run into mom or dad and get lectured, while the person in the back had a fighting chance to run away. As twins, we'd chuckle, waving to random people, answering to each other's names, and messing with people with our twin telepathy. But our lives significantly changed, especially after our parents accepted Christ into their lives. My parents saw the world differently. My dad, a high school dropout who smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, went back to school and quit drugs and alcohol, cold turkey. My mother began to give what little money we had as offering to the church. And both of them made huge sacrifices for us, volunteering their time to serve the church, and my dad joined the army so that we could have better futures. Family time was now spent at church, where we'd be there at least four times a week. And I remember as a youth going on life-changing mission trips, our first to Cambodia, where our senior pastor asked brother, my brother and I what we wanted to be when we grew up. I naturally said I wanted to be a pastor because here I am. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Being a pastor was the last thing on my mind. And if I can be honest, I hated going to church. I hated reading the Bible and hated having home services at home every night, led by my dad, who wanted us to become twin pastors. Instead, as a mama's boy, I took my mom's words to heart and wanted to become a doctor, a pharmacist, to be exact. And it was my twin who said he wanted to be a pastor. Expect the unexpected. Speaking of twins... In today's passage, we learn about two of the most famous set of twins in the Bible, Jacob and Esau. Twins who also grew up with messy lives. Twins who through deceit, selfish ambition, and familial sin, compete to outdo each other and destroy each other's sibling's chances at life. Jacob and Esau, even before they were born, they caused their mother, Rebecca pain and strife. The agony in her womb, so unbearable, she pleads with the Lord, if it is to be this way, why do I live? She has had enough. And she sounds a lot like my mom, who would wail in Korean, which literally translates to, I can't live, I can't live. Because she couldn't stand the fights my brother and I would have when wrestling eventually led to blood tears and literal threats to kill each other she like rebecca was done and we all know how we all know the story of how their births went esau was born first all red and hairy with jacob literally grabbing and on his heel these two could not be more different than each other. Esau, a huntsman who loved the outdoors and chased wild beasts. Jacob, the more quick-witted and quiet man who enjoyed cooking and staying at home. Esau, loved by his father Isaac, and Jacob, loved by his mother Rebekah their lives characterized by being in competition with one another for the coveted family birthright, which was Esau's by birth, but Jacob's by promise. This birthright signified more than just their father's inheritance of worldly possessions. It was also a spiritual privilege, that included the land of Canaan to be possessed by their descendants, and the covenant made with Abraham. And in the end, Esau not only sells his birthright to Jacob, he gets it stolen from him when Jacob tricks their father into blessing him. And because of this, Esau vows to murder his brother forcing Jacob to flee. Expect the unexpected. If there's one lesson I'd like for you to take away, from, take away about God from today's sermon and my story, it's to expect the unexpected. God doesn't always do things the way they're supposed to be. And Jacob and Esau's story is a living testament to that fact. Their mother, Rebecca was supposed to be barren like her mother-in-law before her. But she gives birth to twins. Not just one, but two baby boys and Isaac was 60 years old when he became their father. Could you imagine having children at that age? Unexpectedly, Jacob receives their family birthright, which went against the natural order of how things were supposed to be. Back then, the eldest male the eldest male heir was supposed to receive the inheritance from their ancestors, and all the younger siblings were supposed to serve him. But as God revealed to Rebecca, the elder shall serve the younger. And this is the way in which God chooses to act. God chooses to flip our understanding of the world and how it's supposed to be. Because throughout Scripture, God repeatedly chooses the younger in contrast to the older. God chooses Joseph of all his siblings to go to Egypt and save their family from famine. God chooses Moses over Aaron or Miriam to deliver the Israelites from Egypt chooses David over seven of his older brothers to defeat Goliath and lead the Israelites as their greatest king. And God chooses Solomon of all his older siblings to lead to the heir of promise. God does things differently in ways we can't, uh, in ways we can't expect or fathom. And we need not look as far as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who transformed everyone's understanding of what a Messiah is. For he did not come in power or in might, but in grace and in truth. He came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He came not to destroy those who disobeyed, but to show God's love, compassion, and peace, only to die and suffer on that rugged cross, to bring salvation to those who believe in his name. This is the unexpected way that God reveals himself. And dare I say, albeit impossible to perceive or understand. God is working somewhere. I must believe that God is working somewhere, even in the midst of unexpected events of senseless shooting. Jacob and Esau's story is one of mistrust, deceit, and murderous intent, sprinkled in with family feuding. Their story demonstrates how messy life can be, and that's okay. Because as humans, our lives are going to be messy, but God still wants us to be part of his story. For in the case of Jacob and Esau, this isn't the end. There's hope, joy, and anticipation. For in the end, they have a powerful and remarkable encounter of reconciliation. Years after Jacob's deceit, Esau approaches his camp with 400 warriors, and Jacob fears they might go to war. But that's not what Esau had in mind. The hairy brother runs up to Jacob, embraces him, and kisses him. And together they weep tears of a newfound peace within a new world of remarkable forgiveness. is for my twin and I, we took different paths. As you can tell, I became the pastor. And he became the doctor, a physical therapist. We like to joke around saying, he'll heal the body and I'll heal the soul. And while the details of that story might be for another time, know that God is working in each of your stories for you to tell. It might be unexpectedly simple. It might be unexpectedly complex. But just know, you can expect the unexpected. Amen.